everyone. Welcome to the January 31st ASF Weekly Science Report. Can you believe it's the last day of January? I'm Alicia Halliday, the CSO of the Autism Science Foundation. And today, I have what I like to call a brick and brick and nick and neck of different topics today. You've never heard the term brick and brick and nick and neck. You must watch the British show Absolutely Fabulous and you will get the reference. In no particular order, and there is no theme this week, it's a mix of three studies I think everybody should know about. One is about COVID, one is about pleiotropy and genes, and one is refuting the idea that parents don't appreciate the positive aspects of their autistic adult children. First, COVID. Yep, we hate the word, and we obviously hate the concept. We hate the effects it's had on our lives, our child's development, and our own mental health. But we cannot forget how dangerous this virus is, especially those with neurodevelopmental disorders. Yet another study has shown how serious this virus can be to those who have neurodevelopmental disorders, including Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, autism, and intellectual disability. The CDC collected data from over 900 hospitals around the country from March 1st, 2020 to June 30th, 2021. They included about 600,000 with no developmental disorder, 5,000 with intellectual disability, 2,000 with cerebral palsy, 1,500 with Down syndrome, and 1,500 with autism spectrum disorder. They broke down everything by gender and age group. The survey actually included a fair number of people from non-represented groups like Black and Hispanics. They found that among hospitalized COVID-19 patients, again, these were patients who were in the hospital for COVID-19, there was an increased risk of severe COVID-19 outcomes, readmission to the hospital, and a longer hospital stay among patients with intellectual disabilities compared to those without intellectual disabilities. Now, it ranged from about 15 to 29% higher in terms of readmission, mortality, length of stay, and need for a ventilating device. Now, the reasons for this increase, it may be due to immune dysfunction, behavioral challenges, and more co-occurring conditions. People with autism had high odds of some of these adverse outcomes. 21 to 50% showed an increased likelihood of being put on a ventilator and an intensive care unit admission. But actually, the numbers were highest in Down syndrome. One potential issue that I asked the authors about, I haven't heard back yet, was the rate of vaccination in this group and factors like vaccination that could protect against some of these outcomes. Now, remember, this study looked at March 1st, 2020 to June 30th, 2021. The vaccine started to become available to certain groups, including those with developmental disorders, in about February 2021. So it was likely that some of the people were vaccinated, but because in the U.S. there was no registry to track, we don't know who. This isn't like Denmark, Sweden, and Norway. Not everything is on one medical record number. So someone might have gotten the vaccine at Walmart or a mega center or CVS And that never really made it into the medical record. It might have, but sometimes it didn't. But besides the intellectual disability and neurodevelopmental disorder question, what scientists do know is that overall, across the board, in all genders, races, and countries, 
those that are unvaccinated have a 30 times increased probability of being put in the hospital and probably dying compared to those who are vaccinated. That data wasn't in this paper, but has been reported in several other science journals, scientific papers, reports, and media outlets. So to the neurodevelopmental disorder community who have an increased risk of some very serious adverse outcomes from COVID, please get vaccinated and please get boosted. Now, outside COVID, phew, I have a couple interesting stories for you. Now, do you ever wonder about the comorbidities associated with autism? Are they because of the genes involved or is it just coincidental? Well, it seems that some genes, particularly those that are big mutations called copy number variations or CNVs, are known to be associated with ASD. And they're also pleiotropic. Pleiotropic means that they have their main effect on the brain, which causes the neurodevelopmental disorders, but the copy number variation are seen in genes all over the body, and they may affect other things like obesity, hypertension, sleep apnea, depression, and inflammatory disorders, also digestive problems, endocrine issues like diabetes, respiratory problems, circulatory problems, and even genitourinary problems like kidney problems. So, by using an electronic data bank, which collects not just information on neurodevelopmental disorders, but other health issues, and a large data set at that, the links between certain CNVs that are associated with neurodevelopmental disorders can also be linked to other disorders across the body. There was a link between neurodevelopmental disorders and CNVs and depression of those in African ancestry. On average, African-Americans have a lower prevalence of depression, but they also seem to have more disabling, persistent, and more treatment-resistant types of depression compared to white people. Maybe the CNV thing helps explain that. So the best way to look is a large group of people, a large database that has medical issues, not just about neurodevelopmental disorders, but other medical issues, and the presence of CNVs. So a study published this week at a Mount Sinai School of Medicine looked at a group of individuals, a group of about 25,000 people in a database that Mount Sinai boiled down to 600 people with about 64 CNVs. That's 64 total, not 64 in each person. Each person may have had one or two, but there's 64 different CNVs associated with neurodevelopmental disorders in these 600 people. Now, they didn't just look at autism. They included many neurodevelopmental disorders like autism, psychosis, schizophrenia, epilepsy, and intellectual disability. Now, again, copy number variations are huge chunks of DNA that show either areas where the particular gene product is duplicated or deleted. And they're normally big, and they're seen on uh, what is called a chromosomal microarray. Most of the ones associated with neurodevelopmental disorders ended up on chromosome 15. These include disorders like Angelman syndrome, Prader-Willi and TUP15Q syndrome. But there were other CNVs of interest as well, like on chromosome 16. These copy number variations are also associated with neurodevelopmental disorders, including autism. So 
What is new about this study? If I've already said that chromosome 15 has already been shown to be involved and chromosome 16 has shown to be involved, what is it that this study provides? Well, what you need to know is that that aggregate set of 64 CNVs, again, not in each person, but across the board total, were also associated with things like depression, kidney failure, urinary tract infections, hypertension, sleep apnea, and obesity. Now, a different study earlier this year linked CNVs in chromosome 15, again, the most common type of CNV in autism, to thyroid problems. That study was done in Denmark, although it wasn't replicated here. The bottom line is this may mean that the gene of interest of a copy number variation or genes of interest affected by copy number variations don't just lead to neurodevelopmental disorders. They work across multiple tissues and affect multiple areas of the body. That's called pleiotropy. We need more genetic clinical investigations for better targeted interventions on not just autism, but very deadly issues that are more likely to happen in those with copy number variations and neurodevelopmental disorders. That includes things like obesity, kidney failure, and hypertension. This analysis looked at all neurodevelopmental disorders on record, so it wasn't specific to autism, but the association is still there for neurodevelopmental disorders and other diseases, and we should be taking a broader view of the spectrum across neurodevelopmental disorders where autism falls. Now, does this solve the problem about how to treat these co-occurring conditions? Not now, but this is a first step. Targeted gene therapy may offer the most hope for not just neurodevelopmental disorders, but these deadly comorbidities. So if you guys want to know why genetics are so important to the health of people with neurodevelopmental disorders, this is it. That's not to say that without these CNVs, people don't get hypertension and that hypertension is only the result of the CNVs. Of course not. If you eat greasy meat and butter every meal and never get any exercise, you're going to probably be at risk of hypertension with or without a CNV. And there are all sorts of ways to get a urinary tract infection that has nothing to do with the CNV. I won't get into those details. Again, this isn't an all or nothing thing. These CNVs may explain some of the increased risk of things like sleep apnea and obesity, but there are plenty of people who do not have a no CNV and have sleep apnea. Again, it's about level of risk. It's not an all or nothing thing when it comes to these other conditions. Finally, it's not all about doom and gloom and risk of COVID death and other possibly de deadly comorbidities from genetics. Last year, I was proud to report on a Canadian study which looked at the best things or parent-reported features of their children that they loved and valued the most. They were everything from humanity, in interesting interests, special skills, love, happiness, and kindness. Well, a group at Rutgers who focuses on adults gathered similar type information, but again, in adults. The study featured parent-reported strengths and positive qualities in adolescents or adults from ages 15 to 30. I know 15 is an adult, but that's what they looked at. They had either autism or autism with an intellectual disability. Identifying strengths should help identify the best support needs and the best type of support development. And it also helps us understand the unique gifts, strengths, 
and recognition of capabilities. It's also important to note that these things differ from person to person. So a group looked at those with autism with and without intellectual disability and then a group with just intellectual disability with no autism. Most parents were easily able to rattle off multiple positive qualities. For the most part, parents reported qualities were mostly around their personality, which included being kind, humorous, and playful. About half rated sociability as a positive quality, but those included things like helping behaviors and seeking interaction, but not specific social skills. And 30% said that their adult child had a great work ethic and specific skills to share. Now remember, these are what parents endorse from a standardized form originally obtained for, to gain overall information about behaviors. And the phrasing of, quote, best may have limited parents from listing out all the great things that their adolescent child and adult child does. But for those of you who think that parents only see the bad and the deficits and never the good, you're wrong. Now, separating out autism from intellectual disability, those with autism seem to have more specific skills or reported their parents reported having special skills, but they were also reported to have a high level of internalizing problems as well as a low nonverbal IQ. But as a whole, those with autism and intellectual disability and those without intellectual disability did not differ in the terms of the parents' endorsement that they had special skills. Overall, it was somewhat remarkable how few associations were observed between clinical characteristics like IQ and adaptive function and the positive quality behavior categories. It's possible that the positive qualities are key contributors to the attainment of goals and outcomes and even explain some of the variability in autistic outcomes as adults. Anyway, we need to continue to promote strengths as opposed to just reducing impairments, and that will likely provide insights on new ways to support autistic adults reach their goals. Some people think that parents only focus on impairments and not the super wonderful, remarkable, loving things about their autistic adult children. That is simply not true. Here is the data to show it. We love our children even saying children as adult children, and we know how special they are. There should not be this feeling that parents don't love their kids because they have autism or they really don't understand how great they are. There are certainly data reported that that's not the case. Thank you guys for listening this week on this last Monday in November of 2022. Talk to you next week.